Did you know that you can have peaceful and productive relationships in all areas of your life? How are your relationships with your creator, with yourself, with your children, with your partner? My name is Nina Spina. I'm a family community counselor and I'm a certified positivity practitioner. I've been a parent educator and a family supporter for the past 20 years. In this time, I have gathered an amazing amount of information about what works in parenting, healthy communication, and relationships. You know what else I have found? A whole bunch of nonsense that doesn't. It pulls us away from our God-given purpose to connect with others and heaps a whole bunch of mama guilt after utilizing it. What I want to do is connect you to the great resources that are evidence-based and trauma-informed to the be of the mama who can lay her head down at night and sleep. A wife who knows she is loving in a true, authentic, godly way. For a survivor who doesn't want to just survive in life, but thrive in relationships. Come join me as I share with you stories, resources, and books that I have found to help me up-level my parenting, relationships, especially the relationship with my God and myself. If you're willing to join me, go grab a drink, mix it up, and lend me your ear. We're going to have a laugh, maybe a good cry together, and walk away from this with a little more hope that the next interaction with those we love is going to be a little more love-filled than the last one. Dr. Paul, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today for Pivot to Positivity. I just want to introduce you. Dr. Paul Jenkins is an amazing author therapist and life coach, master level life coach, and a master level coach educator. And so he does amazing things with the positivity power up and teaching coaches how to become a positivity practitioner. And that's how I got introduced to him is by going through the coaching mentorship. And my life is just so much brighter for knowing him. The parenting tools that he uses for me, I've been on a parenting educator journey for 20 years, just take parenting to a whole new level and make them so very simple. And as we know with parents, right, anything that we can do that's simple is going to be really, really helpful. So I have your positivity power up workbook. I had a little mishap yesterday where I dumped my whole water bottle in my purse So Uh my mini version of the positivity book that you carry with you. Yes, that. Portable positivity. Yeah. The one you're referring to. Yeah. It's drying out in my office because I carry it with me everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And um, do you have your book? Larger one? Yes. Pathological positivity. So I keep that in my office all the time and reference it because I just have such value from the courses that I've taken. And um, Dr. Paul, you can find on Live On Purpose Radio and liveonpurpose.com. Well, Live On Purpose Radio is the podcast. And Live On Purpose Radio, there's a .com for it. That's my podcast. There's also Live On Purpose TV, which is on YouTube. And that's where a lot of people find me, especially in the parenting space. My website is actually just my name, drpauljenkins.com. And so he just has amazing courses. Like last week I did his five-day course on no yelling or nagging to your kids. And yelling is a trigger for me. It's something that was hard growing up. And so I try really hard not to do it. 
But as we know, when we are growing up with something and we're under stress, we sometimes go to the last thing that we want to do. And watching you and mm-hmm. your wife do that fight. That was your wife, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> your wife. Okay. Watching her do that with you just, I don't know. It just was amazing. And I literally could take the step and apply it that same day. I didn't have to like go do homework or research. Like it just was absolutely applicable. And so mm-hmm. that's why I was so honored when you invited me to have you on my podcast. <laughs> I think you invited me, Nina. <laughs> This well, is your show, right? <laughs> I guess. So but today, you know what? How could I say no? I mean, <laughs> your title is Pivot to Positivity. And that's what I'm all about. Positivity. And most people don't even understand what that is. I mean, there's the trite, fluffy, just think positive that you hear from motivational speakers or gurus. I'm a psychologist. And because of that, it's important for me to understand. What is the psychology behind that? Is there some principle that actually makes that something of substance and not just the trite fluffy stuff? Right. So when you invited me to come to pivot to positivity, I'm like, (laughs) heck yes, I'm going to do that. (laughs) Plus, Nina, you know, you and I have had some grand adventures over the last couple of months. We really have. (laughs) You mentioned that you've been in our, our master coach mentoring program. and. And folks, you are in good hands here with Nina because (laughs) she is a master coach and she's a certified positivity practitioner. So I just want to give some props there too, because Nina, you have done your homework and I love the way your brain works because like you were saying earlier, what if we could simplify this? What if we could make it something that we could just get our hands around and wrap our minds around? so that it actually makes a difference as we apply it to our lives and our relationships. So I just appreciate the invitation. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you're welcome. And I do have to say, Dr. Paul, I have to be honest. I'm pretty sure in all my experiences of yoga, you're the only man that I've ever done yoga. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, I was the only man on site (laughs) at the time. This, what Nina's referring to you guys is, uh, a retreat. We did a, a three day, three and a half day retreat in Newport Beach, California. Beautiful vineyard property. Wasn't that an amazing oh, location? It was like being in Italy. It was so cool. And every morning we get up, and one of our colleagues, Chelsea, who is just amazing on so many levels, Chelsea is guiding us through yoga and meditations on the edge of the pool on this beautiful property. And uh, everybody on site was female, except for me. <laughs> I send home pictures to Vicky, and she's like, now, what kind of retreat are you at? <laughs> but I, I loved it. It's a, it was so awesome to get these powerful women in this group together. All of them are now certified master coaches and positivity practitioners. and successful in their own businesses like you, Nina. I mean, just amazing. Yeah. And some of them are going to be future guests on our podcast. They've already agreed. So I'm super excited. Which is another neat thing about hanging out with people who are on purpose. Yes. Yes, definitely. 
So I love the backstory behind things. And I was curious if you could tell me the model that we're going to talk about today is stages Mm -hmm. versus control. And I wondered if you could just give me like, there used to be this famous guy that would say, and then there's Paul Harvey, and then there's the rest of the story. The rest of the story. (laughs) And my name's Paul as well. So (laughs) the backstory, Nina, goes back to my training. I am a clinical psychologist. My early career was in child and family psychology. I've got a PhD in clinical psychology, and I worked primarily with kids, kids and adolescents and families. My mentor way back in the day was Dr. Randy Hyde. He had a clinic called Preferred Family Clinic, and we together started a program called Youth Reclamation. (laughs) Now, this program came as a fulfillment of a need. The juvenile courts and the legislature in the state of Utah were looking for alternatives to out-of-home placement. So a lot of times kids would come in through the juvenile court for delinquency or ungovernable behavior or whatever, right? And they would get sent to residential treatment or wilderness or lockdown. (laughs) And they're taken out of their home and their environment and put out... And they wanted an alternative that would allow these kids to stay home, but we had to work with the family. I love that. And so that, Nina, I don't even think I've shared this with you before. That was the impetus for coming up with a model that allow us to keep these kids at home and work with their family. Because here's what would happen. We would send these kids off to their treatment facility some sterile therapeutic environment, and they would always make improvement. Yeah. (laughs) Big surprise. They're not hanging out with their delinquent peers. Right. I mean, they're out of their normal environment and they would make improvements. And at some point they would say, oh, you're doing better. Send them home. And then guess what? Everything goes crazy. They're back in the same environment that they left to to start with. And And there was this revolving door. So there was a high level of recidivism and relapse and all kinds of things. And we weren't really helping these kids. So our idea was, okay, let's work with the whole family together. And that's where this came from. Now, we had a security element. We were the first program in the entire United States to use electronic monitoring on juveniles. We strapped an electronic monitor on their ankle. Like angel sense? It's a, and they use this for adults all the time. You know, if they get, let somebody out on probation or whatever, and they still need to keep track of them, they wear a, a monitor. We were the first program in the, in the United States to use that for juveniles uh, so that we could leave them at home and work with their family. And the court was satisfied that we had a security element. And so, Anyway, we had to jump through a lot of hoops to make that happen. But long story short, Nina, what we discovered as we looked into everything we knew about developmental psychology and about ungovernable behavior and about moral decision-making, okay, there's a lot that went into this. We came up with a model that's very simple. And maybe I could just describe it for you real quick. Please, yes. But you've got the backstory now, okay? This is where it came from. And we had success. 
in treating these kids in this umbrella. That just gives me chills. It's so exciting because I am in a great, great grandchild program that I'm sure stemmed from this movement. And Mm. it's about keeping kids in the home. And so it's just so cool. Well, what if we can make a difference in the actual environment where these kids live? Yeah. Not pluck them out, take them to some sterile therapeutic place and then send them back, hoping for the best. (laughs) Let's go in and let's address it at its core, at its roots. And so think about this for a minute. And I make a graph to describe this. In fact, I've got a copy, a PDF, full color copy of this. Anybody who's listening, this is really hard to remember, okay? You have to remember my name, Dr. <laughs> Paul Jenkins, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com slash <laughs> Mina's name, N-E-E-N-A. You go there and you'll see the model that we're talking about, okay? So if you're listening in the car, pull over for a minute. <laughs> Get this on your phone. Get it on your computer. You'll see a PDF version of what I'm describing. Okay, so drpauljenkins.com slash Nina. I'll put it in your hands. Here's what we're talking about. Let's start with control. All right, and you'll see in the graph, I put control over here on the up and down axis. Which one is that? Is that Y? Do you remember your math class? Yes, I am a mathematician, and it is why I am a math guru. Math is my jam, and yes. Awesome. So we got it right. Okay, so picture the y-axis. We're just going to draw a graph, okay? On the Mm -hmm. y-axis is control, meaning control over your own life. And it goes from zero to 100%. So just picture no control down here at the bottom of the y-axis and 100% control up at the top. And you always have some percentage of the control, okay? You've got all of it or none of it or somewhere in between. And usually (laughs) usually it's somewhere in between, honestly. All right, now down on the x-axis, did I get that one right? Yes. Bottom one. (laughs) From left to right, we're going to plot maturity. Meaning how grown up you are. (laughs) All right. Now, the easiest way to understand maturity or the most common way is age. So let's put birth over here on the left hand side and adulthood over here on the right hand side. So think about this we're going to plot control against maturity. So when you're first born, when you're first born, Nina, How much control do you have over your own life as a baby? You do not. Nothing. Well, maybe not zero. I mean, you can make a big noise and a big stink. (laughs) That's about it. So if we were to plot the control, we're going to put a dot way down toward the zero on the y-axis over here on the left-hand side where we're first born. Now, move over to the right-hand side of that graph as an adult. How much control do you have over your own life? A lot. A lot. You know what? Nina, maybe you've run into this in your work too, but when I ask teenagers, how much control do the adults have? They're like, oh, 100%. Okay, now as adults, you and I know that there's some small print. There's still stuff you don't control. But for the most part, you're running your own show when you're an adult. Okay, so we're going to plot that 
way up high, okay, up toward the 100% over here on the right-hand side of the graph. Now, if we connect those two dots, you're going to see a diagonal line that starts in the lower left-hand corner and goes clear up to the top of the right-hand corner. As you become more and more mature, you get to have more and more control over your own life. Pretty simple so far, right? Well, and that's what I love about the simplicity is when you get lost in the ages and the age development and human development and family mm, studies, by yeah. the time you get to a child graduating high school, I think you're so overwhelmed and dumbfounded by this and that. And, you know, we always start in parenting classes with that and it can get right. so muddled and so confusing. And then I found your model and I'm like, ABC, how easy is this? Yes. Well, and what you're leading into here, Nina, is a different understanding of maturity because we started with age, okay, from birth to adult. But what we're going to do next is take age out of the equation. So from now on, it's about stage, not age. Stage, not age. Okay. And we're simply going to divide it into three. You said A, B, and C. Yeah. I like those labels. <laughs> we decided, I mean, two of us, both of us with PhDs, we decided to call them. Now, wait for this. You ready? <laughs> Stage one. <laughs> Stage two. You see where I'm going? That's <laughs> Stage three. I know. Heavy science, right? I like that, though. You keep it with a number model <sighs> and it's a graph. So that's well, good. Well, we found that most people are able to remember that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So we, we came up with that kind of brilliance. Anyway, so if we look at the three stages, just divide that instead of age, we're looking at maturity in terms of these three stages. Now go back to the diagonal line for a minute. Mm -hmm. And those of you who are listening, I know on an audio podcast, it's like, what? I don't see anything. Look, go get a copy of the model. Yep. DrPaulJenkins.com slash Nina, <laughs> N-E-E-N-A. We'll put it in your hands. You'll see exactly what we're referring to, okay? The space over the line and the space under the line. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Because under the line is the control you get for yourself. And okay. you can see if you're a little baby, you don't have much control for yourself. Because the space over the line is much greater. You see that? Yep, that's a good point that it's about you. The space under the line on the right-hand side of the graph is much greater, and there's not very much space on top because the space over the line is the control other people are going to take in your life. I miss that. That's so important. Okay. That's so huge. Top, that's huge. Yes. Okay. Now, obviously, when we're thinking about parenting, we are sharing control with our kids. <laughs> and when they are babies, the parents have to take all the control. Sure. When they're adults, hopefully the parents are backing <laughs> off a little by then. I hope so. No, we can all think of exceptions to that, can't we? <laughs> so you see the model. The part under the line is the part you get for yourself. The part over the line is the part other people take in your life. And the more mature you are, the less control you need to have other people take in your life. The less mature you are, the more control you need somebody to step in and take over. 
Okay, so now go back to our stages because it's about stage, not age. We all know adults who are very immature, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can think of some specifically. And we all know children who are pretty precocious. Yes. Right? So we're not talking about age. There are some age correlates. I usually withhold those because I don't want people to get distracted with how old someone is. Well, I think that's why your model is so powerful, Dr. Paul, because I think that mm -hmm. when we're working with kids who are struggling or parents, you know, the whole family might be struggling. The first thing I hear is, but they are 10 years old. Right. So they should know better. (laughs) Right. Or my kid is 13. Okay. Yeah, it's about stage, not age. Yes. So let's just do a quick overview of those three stages. Stage one is the least mature. Okay, so if you're looking at the model, it's that orange color over there on the left. Stage one is the least mature. And when we're in stage one, I say we, Nina, because it's not just about our kids. This is about us, too. (laughs) That was the other eye-opener for me when you taught it in our class about the stages being true when you start a new project or a new endeavor as an adult and that you're working through those stages. And I've shared it with friends of mine who have recently gone back to college as adults, you know, working, and that we go through these stages again. And I think that's super important to remember because otherwise you're like, I'm just a failure, you know? Yeah. Well, you were asking earlier, Nina, about some of the roots of this model. Technically, I think of this as a moral development model, kind of like going back to Erickson or even Piaget in some ways. Mm -hmm. It's a moral development model. It's a model that shows us how we make our moral decisions. Keeping that in mind, think about stage one for a minute. On stage one, we are selfish. It's all about me, me, me. Okay. My grandson was visiting for the last couple of days. That kid is so selfish. He did How honestly. Nina, don't distract me with age for a minute. I'm telling <laughs> you, this kid, he doesn't care that his parents could use some sleep. He, he's demanding. He's like, I want something to eat. Give me something to eat right now. I don't care what you're doing. I'm hungry. You know, you're chuckling a little bit. I am because I'm just waiting for you to tell me that it's a baby. He, he's almost 10 <laughs> months old. <laughs> He'll be a whole year later this summer. Okay. Yeah, yes, he's a baby. <laughs> but look how immature that is. Now, notice when I say the word immature, I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. It's a statement of his development. Of course, he's immature. He's 10 months old. He's teething. When he gets uncomfortable, he lets everyone in his world know that he's not happy. And it's somehow their job to help him. (laughs) Because he can't help himself. He's 10 months old. You with me? Yeah. Okay. So stage one is selfish and self centered. Stage one is demanding and manipulative. 
At stage one, we yell and scream and beg and complain until we get what we want. At stage one, there tends to be a lot of yelling and screaming and crying. The tantrums, very common in stage one. Okay, now, when I when I give you the example of my 10-month-old grandson, you're like, oh, well, he's a baby, Dr. Paul. <laughs> like, yeah, of course he is. And I am describing accurately his behaviors. And I love this kid. He is so fun. All right? Yes. But let's translate all of those terms to a 13, 14, 17-year-old now. Demanding, manipulative, selfish. Tantrum, yelling and screaming. Okay, so it's it's about stage, not age. And if right. someone who we expect to be more mature is giving us those immature behaviors, we would describe them as immature, but this time it's not developmentally appropriate. Right. Okay. So just to hone in for a minute on the behaviors and the descriptors, it's about stage, not age. I don't care if your kid is 17 or seven months. We can correctly determine what stage they're on. Right. Okay. Now let's go to stage two. At stage two, we stop fighting and start cooperating. In fact, on the model, you're going to see I put a, a word on that line between stage one and stage two. What's the word? Cooperation. Cooperation. This is what determines that we have moved up a stage. Okay. So at stage two, we don't want any trouble. We want to keep the peace. So we're going to go along with reasonable requests. We're going to respect those with power or authority. We're going to negotiate, try to work something out, come up with a win-win. Yes, a win-win is what I love. Now, you, you, my 10-month-old is not capable of that yet. But I have a granddaughter who's nine years old, fully capable of it. In fact, she's bumping up against stage three in a lot of ways. So let's go to stage three, okay? At stage three, we now take initiative for moral decisions. And you'll see, I put another word on the dividing line between stage two and three. Okay. Initiative. Initiative. Yes. It's where we see what needs to be done and we do it. At stage three, we take responsibility. We have empathy, meaning we understand and care. I think those two elements are, we understand and care how someone else feels or how our behavior impacts others. We have a full appreciation for that. At stage three, we have morals and values and ethics that drive our decisions. Basically, at stage three, we do the right things for the right reasons. So a whole different feel. Right. Yes. Now, stage um, three just sounds so heavenly, Doctor Paul. <laughs> well, why and why? Think about this from two perspectives, Nina. Because at stage three, you get to have control over your own life. Control is synonymous with another word, freedom. Yes. And freedom is not free. You ask any veteran, they'll tell you. Freedom is not free. It comes at the price of personal responsibility, also known as maturity. 
stage okay. three maturity. Okay. But the other reason this sounds so appealing, Nina, is because you're a mom. Yeah. <laughs> right. And part of the end, tell me if I'm misreading this, but you're thinking, oh, that would be so heavenly <laughs> if my children were on stage three. Yes. Because look how much your work diminishes when they are in control of their own life in a mature way. Yes. So you feel this sense of, oh, that would be heavenly. (laughs) Because my job would get a whole lot easier if my kids actually were responsible. Yes. In a stage three kind of a way. So that's the basic model. Now, when we understand this, we know what to do as a parent. And I can give you a quick summary of that, too. Obviously, we're not getting into a full-on parent training in this call. Can you give us that? I'm trying so hard to memorize that phrase you say for parents. And I get the if only or only if, and I miss the other part. Can you help me with that? Well, that gives, I think what you're getting at, Nina, is when I ask parents, what's your job as a parent? And your job as a parent is to love them no matter what. No matter what. That's the part. And even if. <laughs> no matter what and even if. That's your job. Now, that's important because your secondary job as a parent is to share control with people who are not mature enough yet to take it themselves. So who's going to be in control? Look, there's a lineup. There's a lineup for the control over your own life. I'm talking about all of us, but I'm also talking about our kids. First in line is the self. Self. You get first dibs at the control on your own life. That is true for your three-year-old as well. Okay? You get first dibs on it. Now, what if you're not mature enough to take it? Who's second in line? Parents. Parents. Why? Why are parents second in line for the control? Well, they're responsible for keeping you safe and healthy. And they have a moral, ethical responsibility, legal responsibility to take care of their kids because their kids are not mature enough to take care of themselves. And Nina, you and I have had enough brushes with child protective services and vision yes. of child and family services and court to know who's third in line. Yes. Third in line is the state. Yes. Because if parents are not capable of taking the amount of control that is needed for immature children, the state is next in line. Yes. And the state does not love them. Right. Right. They just there because the taxpayers had to come up with some way of handling it when parents drop the ball. Right. Okay. So are we clear about the lineup? Self, parents, state. Oh, and by the way, (laughs) if you're over the age of 18, which I'm guessing, Nina, you've probably passed that. Yep. Recently. Yep. About 30 years ago. So if you're (laughs) recent is such a relative term. It is. But if. If you're over the age of 18, we take out number two. It's either you or the state. Okay. I did several rotations in the prison. Wow. Okay. Why are people in prison? 
because they, for whatever reason, don't have the maturity to make moral decisions in a way that allows them to keep control over their life, and their parents are out of the loop now. Somebody has to be in control of your life. And my strong preference is that it's you. <laughs> okay? And as parents, think about our role as parents. We want our kids to be in control of their own life. They can't be at first, so we have to share the control with them. And one of the things that's the most challenging for me as a parent coach, which is a big part of what I've done professionally over my career, is to help parents learn how to balance that control appropriately based on the maturity of their kids. And at some point, we want to work ourselves out of a job. So they're not eating our groceries when they're 35 <laughs> years old. Right? Although. I'm going to say this also because it's about stage, not age. I've got a niece and a nephew, both in their 30s, who have special needs. Okay. And because of that, they're still eating their parents' groceries. Right. It's not about age. It's about their stage. And Do you because mind me asking how old needs, your kids are? My kids are not kids. Okay. They're all adults. My okay. baby. My baby is 26. <laughs> okay. I was just curious. My oldest is in his mid-30s. I have a 20-year-old, 18-year-old, and six. And mm. I know some of the people that are coaching with me are in that stage, too, where they have real littles, and then they have ones who are either oh, yeah. moving out or about to move out or in college in that sort of transition. Yeah. And I wondered if you could speak to that a little bit, because when you talk about they're going to stop eating your groceries. I was laughing because my son got paid last night and he's been out of the house for three weeks in his own apartment. And mm. so it's really hard. I'm really good at saying no. I'm not so good at worrying if he's starving to death. And so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you don't stop being a parent just because your kids stopped being kids. And But the game changes because you don't have the control. This is why it's so important to understand that moral development model. At some point, your kids will fire you. <laughs> or you'll retire somehow, right? I mean, sometimes parents die and then what are their yes. kids going to My daughter but fired me about two weeks ago on a Monday morning. I'd been home for five days and I work full time. And oh. she's like, I really think I'm ready to move out now. I think I could uh -huh. get an apartment and a job. And I really appreciate the effort that you've put into my life. But I'm good. Yes. <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness, it's time for me to go back to work. <laughs> so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> okay. We don't stop being parents just because our kids stop being kids. And that's why I emphasize to parents all the time in our coaching programs and other trainings that we do, your job is to love them no matter what and even if it is not to make sure that they anything and this is this trips us up as parents because we think i ask parents all the time what's your job and they're like well i need to make sure that they're safe really can you make sure that they're safe no and I used to say my job was to make sure that when my child, you know, turned 18, that they were healthy, functioning, adults. contributing citizens. 
Uh-huh. Can you make sure that they and what a heavy weight that is? Could you imagine? Like if you no. had to physically carry that? And Nina, we suck at that, at making sure that they it has us showing up differently too. Because if we think our job is to make sure that they something, we're gonna be nagging them, <laughs> reminding that we call it reminding, they call it nagging. <laughs> and it creates frustration and anger and conflict and parents end up yelling. In fact, you know what? Our number one video on, on our YouTube channel now, six years running, how to get your kids to listen without yelling. I'm so glad I was just going to ask you to talk about that because I just was saying it is my number one class that I've taken from you and I could Mm -hmm. just listen to it on the replay. And it's just so simple and you don't add shame and guilt onto the shame and guilt that the mom is already feeling because oh. she woke up this morning and knew she wasn't going to yell. And before she even got her shoes on to get in the car, she had already lost it. Well, even going back to our model, Nina, that we've talked about here today. And once again, you guys, if you want a printed copy, I'm not going to charge you anything. I just put it together for you. Okay. DrPaulJenkins.com slash Nina spelled correctly, and N-E-E-N-A, <laughs> go get the model, okay? Because as you understand this model, then you can take an appropriate approach based on what stage your kids are on. Parents end up yelling because they expect or want their kids to cooperate. Yes. And their kids don't cooperate, and so the parents get frustrated. Right. I don't get frustrated when my 10-month-old grandson won't cooperate (laughs) because I don't expect him to. Sure. Well, what if I didn't expect my 13-year-old to cooperate? I just am going to set in with consequences that are necessary for a child at that level of development, regardless of their age. And then I'm cool. I'm happy. I'm smiling. They're not experiencing much freedom if they're being that immature, but that's okay. They're not mature enough for that yet. I'm working with family right now, Nina, where they have a 13, no, 12. She's 12. Their daughter is 12 and totally just hell on wheels. (laughs) She is like stage one out the wazoo. And mom is telling me, well, like her phone. And I'm like, well, hold on. Her what? Yes. (laughs) Her phone. Look, stage one people are not mature enough (laughs) to have a mobile computing device connected to the internet. Yes. Call it a phone. Right. Another family I was working with, my kid really wants a phone. I'm like, then go buy him a phone. And they didn't want a phone. They wanted a a handheld computing device. Right. They didn't want a phone because I said, go down to the, they still have those little flip phone things. That make actual phone calls, right? (laughs) Go get them one. It's like, they don't want a phone or go get one that plugs into that jack that they used to put in the walls. I mean, (laughs) it become obsolete, right? Kids don't want a phone. What would they do with a phone? Right. Anyway, you can get me going on stories about that. But the short version is we end up yelling and then feeling guilt and shame and all of those. Yes enough with the mommy guilt, right? I mean, you're doing the best that you know how to do. You get frustrated because you expect your kids to be at a higher level 
of moral development than they're actually showing you. And that makes me wonder if your infant, like your 10 month old that you were talking about, is at stage Mm -hmm. one. And hypothetically speaking, the mom is a new mom. They're -hmm. really at stage one, too, not with their growth and development, but with their momhood. And so that can be really hard. And I'm thinking of this 12 year old. Her mom is actually an executive who is so mature in her business. And she ends up dilling her head off at home and then feeling just terrible about it. Well, she's on stage one. If you're yelling, you're on stage one. And I'm not saying that as a derogatory thing. I'm saying it is okay. Well, that's why I brought it up because I feel like if we can give ourselves permission to recognize and be open to where we are, then we can work through it, right? And hypothetically, we might be able to work through it a little faster. (laughs) Well, the model gives us a tool so that we can understand what's happening. And once we get to that level of understanding, we're in a position of choice. And until we see it as a choice, it's not. We're just going to roll with whatever our programming is. Right. And I think you even mentioned this earlier, Nina, when we were talking about, we kind of default back to whatever we've already programmed in. Yeah. And much of our parent programming comes from our own parents. parents. Yeah. Yeah. And they were doing the best they knew how to do too. But honestly, we're in the information age. We don't have to live in the dark ages when it comes to raising our kids. Right. That's why I developed the model. That's I told you already, it came from a need to try to address problems that were happening with pretty severely behaviorally disordered kids coming through the juvenile court. But we've been able to apply that so effectively. I love that. Just helping parents have something else that they can work with. And I appreciate what you're doing. Nina, you know, pivot to positivity in all your relationships. This is one way that you can do it because having the information puts you in a position of choice. And then what you do with that choice is, is up to you. I mean, that's yeah. those are the next steps, right? And I just want to thank you for your time, Dr. Paul. I was so honored when you agreed to be on my show. And I just really want you uh-huh. to... You said it's drpauljenkins.com. For some reason, I just want to keep calling your website Live on Purpose. But that's your podcast and your YouTube channel. I'm just addicted. I think I'm addicted to the classes. And so that's why I constantly remember the Live on Purpose. And Nina, you've mentioned Live on Purpose Central. Yes. Dot com is where we have our membership site. Yes. So you have to add that one word, central, liveonpurposecentral.com is where we do all of our courses and our our coaching. And you're familiar with that because you're a part of our platform. I am. And also my clients have that opportunity that if they work with me, they're not just working with me. They're actually joining hands with you and they have access because we're teaming up. Yeah. To all your live on purpose central. And that for me to have that support of your expertise and knowledge and, um, your live on purpose central platform as a new master coach is just phenomenal. I just find Mm -hmm. it invaluable. So, well, I want to throw out another little nudge and thank you, Nina, the honor is mine to be (laughs) spending time with you and your amazing family here at Pivot to Positivity. And I want to encourage any of you who are listening, you might be thinking, oh, this sounds this sounds great, but 
you know, and then a big butt enters the room. <laughs> well, of course you don't know how to apply all of this when you're first exposed to it. That's why we have coaches like Nina. And if you're wondering, well, who could coach me? Well, duh. <laughs> Get with Nina. And like you said, Nina, I am teaming up with you because we've created a platform where master coaches and positivity practitioners like yourself can actually plug their clients into what we're doing over at Live On Purpose. You don't even have to have a contract with me at all. Yeah, it's so uh, because cool. Because you can work with Nina. So I would encourage you if you're wondering, where can I go with this? First of all, get a hold of the model, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, slash Nina, N-E-E-N-A. And, and I put that, it in our Facebook Live, too. I put it in the um Oh, wonderful. The so link people is there. Can, yeah, so people can just click on it. And when this is uh, live on the Spotify podcast and Google and Amazon, and maybe someday Apple, we're still dating on Apple. We'll figure that out. They can click the link and just get the PDF. So it'll all be there right. listening on our podcast. And then if you want some coaching, reach out to Nina. She can take care of you there. She is a master certified coach and positivity practitioner, and she can take care of you. You don't have to do this on your own. Get some coaching. Perfect. 